Well, hey, great to see you guys. Great to see some of our families back for the first Sunday. Thanks for joining us. Uh, hey, can you guys give a welcome to those who are watching online? Uh, every Sunday morning, they are watching. They are going to be watching this later on today, and then it's online forever on YouTube. Um, and so today we are in Mark's Gospel, chapter 1. We're looking at verse 35 through 39 today. And we're talking about how to hold it all together when you're being pulled apart uh, this is a passage of scripture that has been such a great encouragement to me in actually some of the things that my wife shared about really going to God when you do feel like that, man, everything is pulling at me. It's Mark's gospel. It's chapter one, verse 35 through 39. It tells us this. And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus departed and he went out to a desolate place and there he prayed. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him. And they found him. They said, everyone is looking for you. And he said to them, let us go on to the next towns that I may preach there also, for that is why I came. And he went throughout all Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. This passage of scripture is uh, really interesting. And Mark, Mark by the way, is... Um, is letting us know the life and the story of Jesus, his life, his death, his resurrection, really through the eyes of Peter. Mark was a young man, a young teenage kid when Jesus was living and doing his ministry. And uh, Peter was a spiritual father to Mark. And so really the gospel of Mark is, is really dictated by the apostle Peter. So Peter remembers this day very well. This was a particular day that followed the longest recorded day in the scriptures of Jesus's life. And you might, you know, feel a little bit like Jesus. Everybody was searching for him and he was literally being pulled in so many different directions with expectations and responsibilities that he gives us an example of like how to hold it together when you do feel like you're being pulled apart. How many of you guys actually remember having a Stretch Armstrong as a kid? Do you, does anybody remember that little toy? I think we might even have a, a picture of a Stretch Armstrong um, somewhere, or maybe we just have today's passage, Mark Gospel. There we go. We used to have a Stretch Armstrong. I got one, and, and my brothers would yank on that thing and pull it 20 feet apart, and man, I would just cry thinking it was going to break. And, uh, and now, thinking back now, after 50 years, uh, my mom raised four boys on her own. I think that she actually was the Stretch Armstrong, as each one of us was pulling uh, at her. Uh, certainly, I think, uh, appropriate on Mother's Day to be mindful of how do you get refueled when your life really does feel like you're being pulled apart? How do you keep it together? Uh, we, when you look at the life of Jesus, he gives us this example. You know, another analogy I think is, uh, as we talk about like running on fumes, how many parents feel like you're just like, man, uh, you just are, your gas tank is empty and you're just cruising, barely making it on fumes. Uh, Tammy hates to have a tank that goes under a quarter of a tank. I like to see if that gauge on my, you know, uh, on my car is actually accurate when it says like you have one mile to, you know, until you need to refuel. Uh, it, it actually happened. It went to zero and I was able to drive for several miles. So it's a lie. I don't believe those people. And uh, the good Lord would never allow me to run out of gas. That's what I remind Tamara too. Like God's going to take care of us, babe. And then we make it. Here's this early morning for Jesus. He shows us like, this is how you refuel your life. This is how he did it. The secret to his ability to continue fulfilling all that the father had called him and given him to accomplish 
uh, it was before the cross, was his time with the Father. Uh, Jesus is the Son of God. He was fully God, but he was also fully man. And he laid aside his deity when he actually uh, lived on this earth. Uh, you know, he didn't have angels that would move him from one city to the next. He walked. He was exhausted. When he prayed for people and people were healed, he was emotionally drained, physically drained, spiritually drained because of those moments. Uh, again, the busiest day was recorded, which we taught on last Sunday. Uh, he taught in the synagogue in the morning. He confronted a man that was filled with demons. He uh, healed multitudes late into the evening Uh, As they all showed up, the city showed up at Peter's house. He had very little time to himself. When he went to an area of solitude, the multitudes found him. The disciples also uh, were chasing after him, right? There was a real lack of solitude. There was no place to get away. Every time he sought to get away, people found him. And here he is at prayer before the sun comes up, and it says Peter and the others, they followed him. Literally, it was to hunt him down is what the scripture is trying to say to us. In a lot of ways, I think we can relate. We get pulled in a lot of different directions. We have a lot of things taxing our lives. We do feel like that we're running on fumes. You think about your job responsibility. You think about the adjustments that your household has had to deal with over the last year, uh, doing virtual learning and working from home and and all the different, you know, uh, just life busyness that just starts to tax us, uh, raising families, uh, trying to build friendships and maintain friendships, the ministries that God's called you and I to do. Just life happens to us. And when life begins to drain us, where do we go for our refueling? If your output exceeds your input, you're eventually going to fall apart. If you and I continue to give out without receiving in, in a spiritual way from the Lord, uh, you will eventually burn out. And Jesus knew that if he was to meet people, meet the needs of people, he needed to meet with God to take in. We're not built to carry, uh, to carry on through life all on our own. We need to learn like what Peter tells us uh, later on in his life, 1 Peter chapter 5, that we cast all of our cares upon him because he cares for us. So Jesus models for us his secret to keeping it altogether, and it was prayer. Emotionally, physically, spiritually draining, Jesus decides that to sleep in isn't what he needed. It was actually to get up before the, the you know, beginning of the day so he could refuel and spend time with God. You know, pressure and busyness, oftentimes I'll hear people say, man, I'm just so busy that I don't have time to pray. Uh, busyness and pressure should drive us to prayer, not actually take us away from it, We're meant to go to the Lord and to receive. I I don't know any other greater evidence for you and I to be men and women daily seeking God in prayer than the fact that the Son of God went out early to pray to give us this example because that's what he needed. Early in the morning, he withdrew to a secluded place, which I know is difficult uh, for those of you that have like multiple people living in your household, you're like, where can I go to a secluded place? It might be in a, your car and take a drive and just pull over on the side of the freeway for how to have some quiet time. Uh, cr- Christians call what Jesus did here quiet time. Where you take your Bible, you, you get to a, a place where you have a fresh mind. So it might be in the morning for you. It might be at noon, at, uh, in between you know, your work hours. It might be in the evening. It might be after the kids go to sleep at night where you can actually have some quiet time away from distractions and you can share with the Lord and you can hear from the Lord. Prayer is not a monologue where we just talk to God as we see here Jesus receives from the Lord, but it's hearing from him as well. 
The primary way God speaks to us is through his word, but he also guides us through peace and giving us direction as we're asking him to guide us to navigate through life. Now, there's an interesting prophecy about the life of of the Messiah in Isaiah chapter 50, verse four and five, and it speaks of this very example that Jesus uh, shows us here in Mark. It says, the sovereign Lord has given me a well-instructed tongue to know the word that sustains the weary. He wakens me morning by morning, wakens my ear to listen like one being instructed. The sovereign Lord has opened my ears. I have not been rebellious, have not turned away. That was written hundreds of years before Jesus, specifically about the Messiah and not only the life that he would live morning by morning, seeking the Father in prayer, but also the way he would give his life as a ransom as Isaiah continues on. Morning by morning, he met with the Father to hear from him, as he says here in Isaiah, to waken his ear so that he has a well-instructed tongue so he can pour out exactly what is needed, exactly what the next person needed to hear. Things like, "Come, all you, know, all you who are weary, come to me, right? That, that I might give you rest. Those were the words that he would hear from the Father and speak and give out to the people. Many of us don't have words of wisdom because we don't have a listening ear like Jesus has. Again, Peter, remembering this moment, recalling this uh, passage in Isaiah that that the, the Messiah would seek the Lord and would find guidance from the Lord so that he might continue to pour out his life. So Jesus shows us this model, holding it all together, refueling his life as he meets with the Father. We learn from his example that you and I should get away too. Uh, it might be 10 minutes a morning. It might be 15 minutes a morning. Uh, one of the things that Stephen uh, has been sharing with our young people on Tuesday nights is making a commitment to meet with God and to open his word. Uh, it's, and, and when I share, when I get the opportunity to hang out with these kids and young people, uh, man, that's what I tell them too. Like, build the habit right now to start walking with God because you'll carry it on into your life as an adult and it will be the most precious part of your day when you spend time with God. So you think about this idea of, of refueling your life. What, what do we go to the Lord for? What is it that Jesus went to God for when he prayed and sought the Lord morning after morning? Well, first of all, we go for relationship. We go for fellowship. Prayer is more than just asking and receiving. Uh, prayer is more than just a, um, you know, like a laundry list of, hey, these are the things that I need, God. It certainly includes that, we have needs. He says, cast your cares upon him and because he cares for you and I. We have worries and concerns. He says, worry about nothing, but pray about everything. Bring them to the Lord with thanksgiving. But prayer is so much more than just receiving from God. It's about relationship. It's about fellowship. It's about connection with him growing closer to him. Jesus wanted time with the Father, and so he got away to a secluded place, and there he communed with the Father. He spent time talking to the Lord. It's the reason why Jesus arrived, by the way, because you and I were separated from God because of our sin, and and everything that we're trying to chase after in life was really we were the answer was a relationship with God but it was our sin that separated us from him and that's why Jesus shows up so he could pay for our sin so that you and I might have a restored relationship we go to the Lord in prayer first of all because our souls need connection with our creator we need God we need him in our lives it's the missing part of our lives 
Before you became a Christian, you might have been like me where you just thought, well, if I chase after this thing or this relationship or this success, that's really going to fill the void in my heart. I think about the woman at the well in John chapter 4 where uh, Jesus looked at her and said, if you drink this water, you will thirst again. But if you drink of the water that I give you, you will no longer thirst. And she says, sir, give me this water so I don't have to keep you know, coming to this well and raising up water. You know? And he was speaking of a relationship where the Holy Spirit would indwell a believer and there would be this oneness and this fellowship with God. Everything that you and I chase, I'll think of all your friends right now, all that they're pursuing, Maybe even yourself, you think, boy, if I just could have this, then I'll finally be satisfied. You know what we know from scripture? It's in Psalm, it says, as a deer pants for the water brook, so my soul pants after you. Your soul longs to be with God. And that is reason enough for you to carve out some time every day so that your life can be connected with God. It's the reason why you exist, to know him. Eternal life, Jesus said, is to know God and the one whom he has sent, Jesus Christ. That's what he tells us in John 17, verse 3. Of course, eternal life means the promise of heaven. And I'm so grateful that one day you and I can leave this planet. We can spend eternity with God in heaven. But first and foremost, eternal life is about connection. It's about relationship. It's about knowing God personally. So meeting with the Lord, it began to just refuel Jesus' life as he fellowshiped with the Father, getting close to him. It's a great reason to pray. You know, a lot of people pray because they have trials. How many of you guys have had your life turned upside down a few hundred times throughout your journey around this planet? And you start praying, right? You're just like, man, bad stuff's happening. Man, I need to go to prayer. It's, it's like the cycle that we live, right? It's like, hey, everything's going good. I don't need to spend as much time with God in prayer because everything's handled. I got it together, Lord. And then God reminds you like, hey, guess what? You're a human being and you're, you're frail and you need me. And then you just pray. It happens in our life. You start having kids. You're like, oh man, Lord, what do I do? they're going to let us leave with this baby from the hospital? Like we just had him like a day ago. They're like, shoo, go away. Take your child. You just, Lord, I don't know what to do with this baby. I don't know how to raise this child. God, I need you. And then life happens and more things happen and more trials hit your way. And you just say, God, there's nothing I can do in and of myself to remedy this situation. God, I'm, I'm completely and utterly dependent upon you. More times than not, as a pastor, through the years of talking with people and sharing with people and hearing from people, most have said, you know, The trial drove me to my knees, but I wouldn't change a thing about it because, man, I have such a close relationship with God now. I'm so thankful for this difficult time because now I have such a close relationship with God because of that trial. The only way you can know someone, by the way, is spending time with them. So you say, how do I get to know my creator? Well, spending time with him, having more interaction with God in prayer. First John chapter one, it tells us, John tells us that, hey, Jesus was real. I physically touched his body when he moved about. We were watching God move about on this planet earth. And he says, and I'm writing these things to you so that you might have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the father. And then he says in the next verse, verse four, and the byproduct of that relationship with him is joy. Talk about like a, a world that's filled with so much difficulty and, and, and trials and just, just stuff. I mean, just 
We, we, we get so exposed to how much pain and suffering is in our world simply because of the information that you and I have available to us. And it's overwhelming when you find out. I'm just hitting puberty for the third time, sorry. It's overwhelming for us. <clears throat> and I need some of that water that the woman at the well had. We have to, oh, there we go. Hey, there's a woman. Thank you so much. We didn't plan that. This is not EVN water. I want something better. This is, uh, I'm just kidding. Oh, was I just, I, I prayed this would never happen ever again, but it did, didn't it? I know there's a squirrel running around somewhere outside, but we're going to stay focused in here. Uh, try the exposure, blah, blah, blah. Oh, man, we get so much joy stolen from us in life. You know where joy is found? I'm not talking about the happenings of life, the happiness that comes because of the happenings in life. I'm talking about even in the midst of difficulty, a a deep-rooted joy. It comes from the Lord. It comes from his presence. It tells us in Psalm 16, it says, you will show me the way of life, granting me the joy of your presence and the pleasures of living with you forever. It's possible to have a deep joy, guys, even in the midst of difficulty in life. That time uh, with him, it brings joy to your soul. It brings peace to your soul. Just a sense that when you leave that time, Lord, I came with a lot of burdens, but I'm leaving with some hope. I'm leaving with some, like, Lord, I think you're going to take care of this. God, I'm going to believe that you're going to take care of us. That's what praying to the Lord is like. God, I'm going to come just for relationship and just be in your presence. It just changes me. It calms me as his child and I have a joy. You open his word and he speaks to you. He challenges you and I as we open his word. So Jesus went for relationship. The oneness that he had with the Father. And you and I can have that same experience with the Lord as well. We also go for strength. You know, every time Mark tells us about Jesus uh, going to prayer, we know he prayed more than three times, but there are three instances that Mark lets us know about. And each time Jesus prayed, there was, a mom- there was some momentum in his life where he could fulfill part of the messianic role without the pain of going to the cross. There were moments that they would come to try to, by force, make him king, right? Because they viewed the king, the Messiah, the servant king that we've been studying in the Gospel of Mark, they viewed him as a political leader and they wanted him to rise up and take the throne so that he could overthrow Roman occupation there in Israel. There was another moment when he was there in the garden. Lord, if, if, you're, if you're willing, let this cup pass from me. Again, it was always these kind of moments where <clears throat> popularity is rising. And so every time Jesus prayed, guess what? He gained strength each time to continue his journey to fulfill the real reason why he came, which was to go to the cross and to die for us. I read a great quote once. It says, not to pray is to be guilty of the incredible folly of ignoring the possibility of adding God to your resources. Think about all the resources that you have. Everything you have available to you in life. Your money, your wisdom, uh, your relationships. But can you imagine having God as your resource? The, 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 you know, some of you guys are raising kids on your own. I mean, that's like single moms, heroes to me. My mom, single mom, my entire life. My dad walked out when my brothers were 11, 8, 6, and I was a newborn. I was too overwhelming for him. 
like a little Messiah being born. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I can't handle it. That's my way to cope with pain. Anyways, and so, I mean, she, you know, people say like, man, how did she do it? And I'm, I had my, you should have an answer, but man, it was just God miraculously giving her strength to just get up and to do the next thing that she needed to do, which was to work and to raise four boys. And so uh, she was supposed to be here this morning with her awesome Mother's Day cane, but she wasn't feeling well. So uh, Grandma Dixie, we hope you're feeling better if she's watching right now. We go to the Lord for strength. Trying to do life on our own is just, it's, it's futile it, it, to handle problems on our own. Why would we go through life without the resources of heaven? Lord, I don't know what to do with this situation. So God, I'm going to ask you. You know, the Bible says that, that you and I don't have because we don't ask. That's what James says. Think about that. Can you imagine <clears throat> one day standing before God and saying, Lord, I just went through a really difficult season. I didn't understand why you weren't there for me. It's like, you didn't ask. There's resources available for you to go to the Lord. God, I need strength. You might be in a season of difficulty right now. You say, God, I can't hang on but you meet with the Lord, you open his word, and your, your, your life gets recharged every time you carve out time with the Lord. He'll give, you, he'll give you the strength you need for today's challenges. I'm often praying, Lord, I know what's coming in a month from now, and I'm going to really need your help. Right? Listen, we don't know if I'll make it to the next month. And so uh, right now, it's just, God, I need strength for today. Strength for today. And God will give you that strength. Here's another reason. The third reason why Jesus went to meet with the Father was for wisdom. Everyone wanted him to stay there in Capernaum because that was their headquarters. And the night before, the whole city came out and he's healing people left and right. His primary mission was to preach the gospel, the good news of the kingdom, that God's kingdom is available to all who would repent of their sins and believe in him. Everybody's excited. Peter's like, Jesus, blowing up. A million likes last night on your Instagram. I mean, it's just like blowing up. And it was wisdom that Jesus received. As he told Peter, hey, we must leave the city now and go to other communities, for that is why I have come. Leaving this moment of, of, of you know, popularity Jesus receives guidance. He was able to stay focused on the mission because of his prayer life. He just received enough light for the next step. Maybe you're in a spot right now. You're like, Lord, I don't know what's coming next. I want to ask you, give me wisdom with that wisdom guidance to direct me. My next job, my next career move, my, my, my next meeting, my next uh, conversation with this person. Lord, I need your wisdom and he'll give you enough light to take the next step. And then you get to the next step. And you say, God, I need your wisdom. Wisdom to say, how about this? To say no to some of the things that are draining you. You know, there might be some things in your life, that are in my life, that God is saying like, I don't know why you're stressed out so much about this stuff. I didn't tell you that this is what your life should be about. Sometimes we get wisdom in prayer saying like, I've got to learn to say no except to Joel for kids ministry. Right? It's like putting the medicine in the mashed potatoes. You know what I mean? Uh, so I want to take that back. Sometimes God needs to give us wisdom to say, not this year. That's maybe a, a, a longer range goal. But right now, it's so important for me to not take that job. 
as an opportunity uh, arises for a person, a career move that could be life-changing financially, but detrimental to the primary purpose of your life, raising your children in relationship with your spouse. You say, God, I need wisdom. And maybe the Holy Spirit will say, pump the brakes. That's for another season in your life because this is what is necessary. When Jesus met with the Father, you think that, you know, he didn't pull out like, okay, what's on the itinerary, you know, for the next three and a half years? Do this, do this, then, you know, here, heal this person, and then die. That's not how it went. He knew his mission was to die, but morning by morning, as his ear was awakened, and he heard from the Lord, and he had the tongue of the learned to give a weary, a, a weary soul some encouragement, it was wisdom he received. Today, I've got to leave Capernaum. And the disciples are going, it's not the first time Peter used human wisdom to try to convince Jesus of something. Jesus, everyone's looking for you. It, wasn't, it was like, hey, they're wondering, what do we have for breakfast? It was just like, Lord, things are happening here. It's growing. You're, you're the king. You're the Messiah. He knew he was the son of God, but didn't know his mission was to die on the cross. Another moment, Peter, Jesus says, hey, we're going to Jerusalem, and there I'm going to be betrayed into the hands of sinners, and I'm going to die. And on the third day, Peter took him aside. Can you imagine taking God to the side? You know what I mean? Like you would someone, hey, you know, I, I, what you just said back there wasn't really, let me bring you over here, Jesus, a little bit. Just tell you like, hey, this is crazy talk. You know what I'm saying? Like, why would you talk about dying on the cross? Like this whole thing is blowing up. And Jesus said to him, get behind me, Satan. Right after Peter had just said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. It was human wisdom. Jesus got wisdom in that prayer time. And, and he says, it's time to move on. This is what the Lord has for us. We want to be in the center of God's will. I can't think of a scarier place than, to be in life than out of God's will. Uh, to be in the dead center of God's will for your life, even if that means, you know, I was going to say, God calls you to move to Bakersfield. God forbid that would ever happen, but that's the best place to be. Lord, how about 200 miles further south, right? Out of the smog. To be in the center of God's will for your life is the best place to be. And so in your prayer time, you say, God, I'm, I'm, I'm not wise enough to make these choices. Please give me wisdom. Shut the doors that don't need to be opened. Open the doors that do need to be opened. So that's what happens in prayer. That's why Jesus went to meet with the Father. That's what we do. He had one night, he spent all night in prayer before he selected the 12 disciples that would be with him. James says in James 1, 5, he or she who lacks wisdom, let them ask God. Jesus is able to focus on his mission God had for him, not the opportunity to capitalize on this popularity and this momentum. He was able to say, this is why I've come, not to be a miracle worker, but to preach the good news so we have to depart. Here's the last one we go to God for, resources. I love the prophecy in Isaiah 50. I, he wakens my ear. I have the tongue of the learned that I might give encouragement to a weary soul. We go to God for resources to, so that we can actually be used to pour out to other people how to comfort the weary, refueling your life, refueling my life. Now I have something to pour out to other people. Those of you who are married, you're married here today. When I meet with young couples that are getting married, 
uh, I, you know, I say, it's worth it. You should do this. Keep going, right? Some, I actually say, like, let's pump the brakes. Not a good decision for your life. And everybody is saying that. Um, but when they get married, I say, listen, this is the best version of you that you can give to your spouse right now. So you got to walk with God so you have more to give. You have more to offer them because you need resources that are, are eternal. You say, if you want to grow your marriage, if you want to have wisdom to share with your kids, you've got to be with the Lord. You want to be used by God. God, I'm going on the mission field. I have a job. Your job is the mission field, by the way, wherever you work right now. You say, I'm going to go and be a missionary. Meet with the Lord so you have something to share with those people that God has put in your pathway in life. I have a buddy that uh, I often will meet up for coffee, an older guy, give me some wisdom, pass it on down. And he shared something with me a couple years back. He said, he said, Gordon, when you and I are not in sync with the Lord, right, we're, we're not there to actually be available to our spouses and actually like share the burdens of life because we're just all in our own mess and selfishness. And I thought, man, that is so true. When you're just like in your own junk, in your own mess, like not in sync with the Lord, it's amazing how you just don't have anything to offer your spouse, your kids, or anybody else because you're just trying to sort of hold it together on your own. I thought, man, that was so wise. You want to have some spiritual encouragement for your spouse, your kids, your coworkers, your friends, your church family, to be a refuge for them when life gets tough and overwhelming for them. You go to the Lord, you say, Lord, I've got nothing in and of myself, and the Lord pours into your life, and you're able to actually pour that out for others. And you go back to the Lord, and he gives you more, right? One, one prophecy in Isaiah is that he gives, he gives bread for food and seed for sowing. You go to the Lord, he fuels your life, but then he gives you something to give to somebody else. You had a moment in your life where you're in prayer, and then you start thinking about somebody that just, they just pop in your head. And you say, Lord, I'm just going to pray for them. You know what you do next? You go and text them and say, hey, hey, you know what? God put you on my mind today. What are you doing wrong? No, you don't say that. I say, like, hey, God put you on my heart today. I just want you to know I'm praying for you. Is there anything going on? It's crazy how all of a sudden they're just like, man, tears. Thank you so much. I didn't know that anyone actually was concerned or cared. And I'm going through a lot right now with the Lord giving you that refueling those resources you're able actually to help and to pour in to somebody else. Like Jesus, to sustain with a word him who is weary. That's what happened when Jesus met with the Father. He was filled up so he could pour out. Running on empty is detrimental to your spiritual health and mine. And it keeps us from being used by the Lord, something that you and I are encouraged to be doing on a daily basis, to be bringing glory and honor to God in how we pour our lives out for other people. We go to the Lord. My encouragement to you this week is maybe your quiet time is sporadic at best, right? It's just, it's just life. You, you know, you've got kids, you have jobs, you've got people learning uh, virtually at home. Thank God our schools are opening up. Can I get an amen to uh, all the moms and dads raising kids and trying to run businesses at home? You go to the Lord, you carve out some time, you, you get away with the Lord so you can get closer to him for fellowship. Yes, talk to the Lord about your needs, but man, go because you want to know God. You want to know, you want to be close to him. We go to the Lord for strength, 
for wisdom and resources so that we could be used by him. The tongue of the learned that we may sustain the weary like Jesus. I don't know why we would run on fumes. I don't know why we would allow our lives to be getting pulled in so many directions when God says he delights to fill you and I up. He wants to bring us joy, right? Joy in his presence. Uh, Philippians 4, 7, peace that passes all understanding. He wants to bring strength and wisdom to guide us through life. You know, every one of us is as close to the Lord as we truly want to be. That's just a reality. You have the same 24 hours everybody else has. You've got to give something up. Might be a little sleep. It might be a little less TV, a little less social media, whatever it is. But you carve out some time. I promise you, if you will build that habit into your life and be realistic, don't say like, you know what? This week, Lord, I'm going to start spending an hour and a half with you every day. I'm going to get up at 3.30 in the morning so I can walk with you and be close to you like Jesus was. That's so unrealistic. You'll fail and you'll go like, oh, what a loser. I can't believe I... But you could do 10 minutes. You could get your Bible. You could get your, you know, some uh, journal. You could go talk with the Lord, hear from him in his word. That habit... By the way, doing that consistently day after day, it will be the best time in your life and it will be the reason for growth and success in your life as you look back over 2021. You carve out that time. It, it, you gotta have it be a priority. That's Jesus, the longest day of his life. You gotta make a commitment. I love being uh, at the Creighton's house on uh, Tuesday night. Uh, they do tacos on Tuesday night, um, but the youth were meeting there last week, and uh, and Stephen was kind of regurgitating some of the things that they talked the week before, and and each kid went around the the table on Tuesday night and talked about a commitment that they made to the Lord, a commitment to do something. It was so awesome to hear young people, 14, 15 years old, talking about making a commitment to spend time in the Bible. And I just went, man, so rad. This is exactly why we exist, to help people know Jesus. That's not something for young people alone. That's for every one of us. You don't ever arrive saying, I no longer need to read my Bible. I am finally a professional black belt Christian, right? You need God. You need to have a time to do it. Don't just say, well, I'm going to pray today. Pick a time to meet with the Lord when you're fresh in your mind. Pick a place. It might be the bathroom. And that's like, as a, a mom, that might be your only like safe haven. Like this is the only place I can go where the kids can't find me. Might be on top of your roof. Whatever you need to do. Get a ladder, you know, for Mother's Day, Dad, so that your wife can have some, some time and some space. But you got to find a place, a secluded place. It might be your backyard. It might be the bathroom. It might be the kitchen table at five in the morning. You pick, make it a priority. You pick a time, pick a place. And you just begin that relationship with the Lord, talking to the Lord. Maybe the things that are coming during the day. You think through your family. Lord, I just pray for this need that this person has and you know, this situation going on in their life. I don't, I don't know why it is we only pray for people when they, we know they have issues going on. I, I wonder if we actually prayed for them when they, before they had issues going on. Maybe those issues wouldn't start up. Just pray, talk to the Lord. And maybe he'll give you a word for the weary. Lord, that's a great verse. I'm going to share that with my coworker because they're going through a difficult time. How to hold it all together. Jesus models for us this in such a beautiful way. Early in the morning, before the sun came up, he went off into a secluded place, and there he prayed. He had an ear that was awakened to hear from the Lord. He had an instructed tongue that he could give out something to the weary souls that he would meet with later on that day. 
to commune with the one with wisdom, strength, and resources for his life that day. That's my encouragement to you. Something that Tammy shared earlier, just man to take in so you have something to give out. As we close out our time of worship right now, I want you just to think through, man, and, and maybe just talk to the Lord about, God, I want to grow. Lord, I need, I need to get closer to you. Maybe God's going to give you some wisdom to restructure your day. Maybe you need to talk with your family and say, hey, you know what? We've, we've got to like slow some things down so that we actually have some time to breathe, some margin in our life, to breathe a little bit. Maybe, maybe we don't need to be going in 50 different directions Monday through Friday, you know, so that, you know, our, our kids don't miss out. Most important thing for you and your kids is to actually have a close relationship with God. So right now, make that commitment. And maybe you're with us today. Maybe you're watching online today or watching online later this week. Maybe you don't have a relationship with the Lord. You say, I don't even know where to begin. I don't even know how to, you know, uh, to have a relationship with God. What does that look like? You know, how, do I, how does a person become a Christian? You know, the Jesus' message that he goes to all the synagogues and preaches out in the streets, it was to repent and to believe the gospel. The gospel is this. It's the good news that God makes a relationship with him, that God makes his kingdom available to every person who realizes they're a sinner, recognizes their sin, turns from their sin. That's what repentance means. It says, I have a, I have a, a thought about this is the way life is. I change my mind and I actually change direction. I leave something I've been pursuing and I now turn in the direction of you, God. That's what it means to repent and to believe, to simply put your faith in Jesus. God, today I believe that you are the son of God who came to take away my sins. And God, I ask you for, to forgive me of my sins and to come into my life. There's no magical prayer. God's looking at the position of your heart. You say, God, I want you to come into my life. I want you to make me new today. I want my sins forgiven. You pray that prayer in, in, in an honest way. And the Bible says that Christ will come into your life and he'll make you a new person. You can do that even as we worship now. Would you pray with me now? Father, thank you.